Hello, and welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are booksmen. Yeah, maybe. Booksmen. Booksmen. <sighs> Reading books, watching movies based on books. Well, Tom, we didn't do that yet this week. I watched a movie based on a book this week. Oh. Hmm. Instead of I reading it. Yeah, instead of reading it. By all accounts, the book is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, book called George. George? George. George. Jaws? Jo- oh, Jaws. Okay. Yeah. It's about a shark. Yeah. Um, Tom, that movie is good. Yeah, well, yeah. I've seen it before. But I think I didn't appreciate it. I think I, I finally watched it in like, when did uh, Netflix start sending out DVDs? Like <laughs> 2002, 2003? Yeah, probably somewhere around there. That's when I was, and I went on to like, I'm going to watch all the classics. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I, I paid attention because I forgot uh, the whole like last hour of that movie is just three people on a boat. And then a yeah. shark comes. Well, yeah. Four if you include the shark. Well, the shark's not a person, Tom. Shark doesn't even talk. He never even no? says. No, for all that, the, the, I was like, well, we're going to see these jaws in action when he starts talking. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be jawing away. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's the movie that made little Stevie's career. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Now, you, uh, again, you're getting them confused with Steven Van Sant. That's a different little Stevie. Steven Spielberg's short, right? He's probably a short guy. Yeah, probably. I bet he's 5'7". Now, the question is, is he taller or shorter than Steven Van Zandt? Because then that's going to determine who the real little Stevie should be. Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. is 5'8". Yeah, that's not terribly short five foot eight <laughs> and Steven, how little stevie uh five foot seven. Oh well all right true to his name little stevie tom you I, I don't i don't know how to tell you this <laughs> nobody calls steven spielberg little stevie that i think you're just mistaken they're little starting steven. to they're starting to i'm hearing i'm hearing a lot about it on on the lot <laughs> uh, I, I, I was just reminded that Stephen Van Zandt also goes by Miami Steve. Oh man, Miami Steve is such a good nickname. Holy cow, <laughs> man! If 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 mine if my nickname was Miami Tommy, that'd be great. I if would. You, if you ever have a son, you should name him uh, first name Miami. <laughs> Middle name Steve, Miami Steve Reynolds. Um, I was thinking about that today. Like I was thinking about, uh, like I have the same first name as my dad and my grandfather. I don't know about my great grandfather. We have different middle names. Mm-hmm. But like, if I have kids, I have no intention of naming my kid Tom. I just think that would make everything confusing. Yeah. Right. And, like, I'm shocked that my dad went along with it because, like, he grew up as a Tom with a dad who was a Tom. And, you know, I should have asked him, like, well, 
Well, didn't you like answer the phone a lot? And then people, you know, at first people, because you were little, people thought you, you were your mom. And then you had to tell them like, <laughs> no, it's Tom. And then they're like, no, you're not Tom. He's a man. No, not him. The little one. Yeah, did they call like Little Tommy and Big Tommy? Um, I was in my family. I was, I was Tommy, but then my dad's parents called him Tommy. Hmm. So and but then of course, like my grandma called her husband Tom. So and what my, did your grandma call you? Tommy as well. Tommy uh, and Tommy. Miami Tommy. <laughs> if I had known back then, I, that's what I would have insisted on. Please, Grandma, call me Miami Tommy. Why is he Miami, Steve? Does he live in Miami? Or did something happen in Miami? Probably, Probably something, something happened. happened. Yeah. He's, from, mean, he's from Jersey, like like the rest of them, right? <laughs> like the rest of the E Street band? Yeah. He was born in Winthrop, Massachusetts. Tom. Yeah, but nobody wants to go see a guitarist named Massachusetts Steve. <laughs> what? Here's this is confusing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, are they saying that? Um, also, Steven Spielberg is sometimes known as Miami Steve. No, nobody, nobody except you gets those two confused. It says born November twenty second, nineteen fifty. It doesn't just say born in the USA. No, no. Born Winthrop, Massachusetts, U.S. And then it says origin, Middletown Township, New Jersey. Origin. That's, that's probably like his, uh, you know, his hometown. Yeah. You ever hear a song called I Was Born in a Hometown? No. What? I was born in a hometown. I oh, yeah, I know that song. Yeah. Uh, in well, in 1973, Stephen Van Sant toured with the Dovells. The tour ended in Miami during Dick Clark's New Year's show. Wow, what a way to Duvel what a way Hotel. to end a tour, huh? After going back to Jersey, Van Sant continued to wear Hawaiian shirts <laughs> because he did not like the winter, which was how he got the nickname Miami Steve. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it was like a derogatory nickname. Like, uh, oh, Miami Steve's here with his dumb Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> hey, Miami Steve, you love Miami so much. Why don't you just move there? Yeah, and then he co-founded the band Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Mm -hmm. That's a and, long name. And also the Miami Horns. Oh, all right. Well, you yeah. leaned into it. Yeah. Southside Johnny and the Asbury Park Jukes? Just the Asbury Jukes. Look, you got to get a band where everybody's from the same place. Southside Johnny and the Jukes, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, also fine. But, like, that's a little too much info. I don't need to know where every member of the band is from. Wait, but is Asbury on the South Side? It might be. I don't know. I I don't really know uh, Jersey. Like, could it be like Miami Steve and the Florida? Yeah, it, 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 it might be. It might be redundant information. Yeah, but it's cool. Well, that's why that band didn't make it, and uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, which is a very specific location. 
Everybody from this band, they're from E Street. And Tom. that's why it's not it's not New Jersey Bruce and the E Street band. Tom, Southside mm-hmm. Johnny has been playing this this band has been around forever, Tom. Yeah. The nineteen seventy five to the present. They so don't tell me been, they didn't make it. Well, I was going to say they haven't been playing any shows recently, but I don't know. A lot of people in New Jersey haven't been paying attention to uh, <laughs> to the the current uh, situation. John Bon Jovi was in this band, Tom. Whoa. This band's got some pedigree. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, I, 25, I apologize to 26, the listeners. 27, is... 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 42 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, 43, listed members in the past members section of Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Wow. Well, so yeah, then they're just playing the odds game. Of course, at some point, somebody from the E Street band and somebody from Bon Jovi is going to be in that band. There's only so many bands in New Jersey. And if one of the bands has had 55 members... Bruce Springsteen's wife was in it? (laughs) I bet she probably didn't even know. It was probably just accidental. La Bamba from uh, from Conan's band. Wow. Jimmy Vivino, Jerry Vivino. Tom, this this band has pedigree. You told me that they didn't do anything. Yeah, it sounds like they were a breeding ground for uh, up-and-coming musicians. Yeah. Or is it one of those bands where it's like you can go play with them for a night and they're like, guess what? You're one of the... Rolling Stones. I guess they're not a good example. <laughs> that's, they, that's a terrible. They I don't, don't know what do one that. of these bands you're talking about. People in the Rolling Stones, like, you know, I mean, a lot of bands do this, but especially the Rolling Stones where, like, it's kind of known that there's essentially a, a studio lineup playing everything behind them, right? What, on tour? Yeah. Where, like, yeah. Keith Richards, is, what is it? Like, he's playing, but there's somebody else playing behind him, playing the same thing, kind of. Oh, I don't think that's the case with them. No? I don't know, maybe. Who knows? Well, but, all right, so regardless of that, like, a band like Rolling Stones, uh, you know, that that's a, a classic four-piece band, right? Um, or, are they five? Yeah, they're five. Um, but they probably have like a dozen people on stage cause they got like backup singers and other and percussionists, like horns, and stuff. horns yeah. keyboard, all kinds of stuff. Can those people say I'm in the Rolling Stones? Um, no, they could say I tour with the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you're right. Let's see. Let's see what they look like. Um, who the Rolling Stones? They look like shit nowadays. They're very Sympathy old. Sympathy for the Devil in Houston on July 27th, 2019. 
It doesn't look like they have a ton of people on stage, Tom. They're all in darkness, or they're under the stage, like a uh, an orchestra. I think they have a couple extra people there. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, they got a, they got some percussionists. But I'm watching Sympathy for the Devil. Of course, they're going to have percussionists well, there. It's and they've got people, <laughs> they've got people there to to fill out the sound. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got to fill st- stadiums, Tom. I thought. Well, they're not going to. They're not filling them right now. I'll tell you that much. No, they got to fill them with with sounds. Fill them with sand, Tim. This week. Uh, we're finishing up Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, one of the most famous uh, Rolling Stones songs, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who does the song Devil in a Blue Dress? Uh, um, That's a a good question. How did we get to week four and we don't know uh, who does the song Devil in a Blue Dress? Tom, I'll tell you one thing. We're, uh, both, we're both vamping as we uh, try and search this. All that comes up is the book and the movie. Is that not the name of the it's song? It's Devil with a Blue Dress. Is it Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels? Yep. Now that's a good name. <laughs> I like that you say Detroit. <laughs> um, you know, I was going to say, it's, it's strange that I didn't know that because... That song has obviously been the theme music every week for these episodes. And it's been stuck in my head, uh, you know, since I started reading this book. Um, but this is why nobody can freaking uh, leak these episodes. <laughs> Mitch Ryder will be all over our ass. <laughs> right. This is actually the Midnighters, the Midnighters, the version that we use. Oh, okay. It's a good song. It is a very catchy. Hey, they song. got a good. They, hey, they got a good sound, Tom. They do. Uh, Tim, do you remember vaguely what happened last time? <sighs> a lot of stuff happened, Tom. Yeah. Well, a lot more stuff's about to happen. So, a lot of the people they're just friggin' dead. Yeah, a lot of people... Easy's not dead. No, no, Easy's looking around. He's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And then he finds out, like, a lot of the bad people are dead. Right. Some of the good people are dead. Yeah. Um, But Mouse comes back. His old friend from Houston? Yeah. Uh, Dallas. I think it's Dallas. Dallas. Who murdered his stepfather. Yeah. Um, came in and, and helped Easy out yes. of a jam. Somebody was going to kill him, had a knife up to his throat. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, Knife Hand, Frank Green. Oh, of course. Uh, but then, and now Knife Hand's dead. No. No, he's very much alive. <laughs> um, and Daphne Monet is still missing. Fra- Frank Green gets away, like in the commotion. Okay. So so all right explain to me who the who the players are moving forward here. So so it's my understanding mm-hmm. that uh Mouse yes is with <laughs> uh what's his face? Mouse is with Easy. And now Easy. M- Mouse is a bit of a loose cannon. 
Malice right. is like, uh, you know, pretty loyal to Easy, but like Easy doesn't trust him at all. We have friends like that, Tom. Oh, where I, it's I, like, I think like if <laughs> I could be sure they'd be a hundred percent loyal to me, uh-huh. like, and they would be like on a, on you know on a night I can see them being a hundred percent loyal to me and like murdering somebody who is giving me problems. <laughs> right. But like I can't be sure they won't just turn on me and murder me. Exactly. And that's how easy feels where he's like, this guy's good to have in a pinch. Like, and I appreciate him showing up when he did. And when saving- knife hand had a knife to my throat. Right. It was cool to see mouse show up and save the day but i don't think i don't know if that if i but can that rely does it, on that exactly i appreciate it but that doesn't change my opinion that this guy's a, a maniac and and completely uh unpredictable right all right and the police came up to easy and went like all right these are the people who are dead that pedophile politician guy dead. yeah matthew Taren. um another guy Dead. Mm. Oh, is that is that main bad guy dead? The one that uh, hired? Easy no, Dewitt Albright is not dead. He is very much alive. Who did they think Easy murdered? Uh, Coretta. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's Coretta. who they brought him in on. Right, and they were just like, "Oh, we have fingerprints here," and then they ran the prints. Well, that was on Richard McGee's. The, the See, knife. this is what I was asking, Tom. <laughs> yeah. And Richard McGee is the friend of Daphne's that Daphne brought him to uh, the the house uh, or had him had him drive her to the house, I think. And, you know, he was dead. And that's when that's when Daphne dropped her uh, French accent. And he was like, what the what the what the wild world of sports? Okay, so just give a quick recap. Let me know. Who's alive and in play right now? The people that are dead are Coretta. Uh, That's not what I asked. <laughs> I precisely the opposite. <laughs> oh, who's in play? Uh, a bunch of people still. Uh, let me one, just get one into challenge it. challenge here is there have been so many people in this book. I mean a normal amount of people. I, I mean, think. maybe you just have been <laughs> For really me, bad at, at, uh, at explaining people. No, I guess you're right. There have been too many people in the book. <laughs> All right. So uh, Easy, uh, Easy's been saved by Mouse. And Easy's like, All right, Mouse, get, get, hop in the car. We're going to Junior's. Now, Junior. The cheesecake was... place? No, because they're still in Los Angeles, remember? Mm. Uh, Junior, uh, I believe he was the guy who was the bouncer at uh, John's, the like speakeasy. Mm hmm. So they go there and confront him, and now we finally find out that uh, the thing easy. Do you remember Easy? He was in uh, Robert McGee's apartment. They found him dead, and Easy picks something up and puts it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Ooh, this is something that'll help me yeah. later." So we find we finally find out what that is. It was a cigarette butt, but not only that, it was a Zapata's brand cigarette. And now, who's the only one cheap enough to smoke Zapata's? Junior. So he. We goes, haven't met Junior before. Now we've we? met Junior before. Where? What? What was at the John's? At the bar? Yeah. Well, the at speakeasy? the speakeasy. Yeah. 
Um, not to be confused with uh, the bar Joppy has above uh, the slaughterhouse. Right. So he goes there and he's like, look, um, uh, I could go to the cops and tell them, you know, uh, yeah, hey, uh, this guy Junior did it. And I bet if they look, if they fingerprint you, your fingerprint's going to match that knife. Um, and now he he says that junior doesn't worry about this, even though like junior should be because, uh, easy knows that junior thinks he's superior to junior to easy rather in combat. Um, which is, which I've never really seen laid out in a book, but there is that kind of person. I feel like that is like not intimidated by other people that they can't physically beat up. (laughs) Which is a very archaic way to like see the world of like right. Easy's basically like I have evidence to tie you to a murder, and he's like, "Well, I could beat the crap out of you, so I'm not worried about that." Um, so he can see Junior's not worried, so he tells uh, Mouse uh, to kill him, and you know, then that gets the guy going like, "All right, hey, don't kill me, I guess." Um, so. Uh, uh, he wants, oh, I should have kept better notes. He wants $20. Uh, no, you're doing great. <laughs> $20 to tell him about the girl easy was asking. Oh, this is, uh, I guess, uh, somebody came to him. I'm not sure who, maybe it was DeWitt, uh, and offered him $20 to tell him about the girl easy was asking for, you know, at John's a hundred dollars to drive him home and tell him how to find Daphne. Uh, huh. that, that's what he was offered. Um, and he wanted, wanted him to tell Frank he had something on Daphne. That's what I have in my notes. God, I take such... You know, this, this part in particular, I wasn't taking as many notes. Or I was taking like quick notes because I was... I wanted to like read it. I wanted to enjoy it. Um. So yeah, oh. right. Oh, so we find. I wanted a- to savor it. No, so we. Oh, now I remember. Wanted him to f- tell Frank he had something on Davini. Um. So Junior did kill him, and he tells him like, "Yeah, I stabbed him with a knife. Like uh, I went to this guy's house, and I thought he had a gun, so I took a knife out of his kitchen and stabbed him." And it was basically like a very cowardly, like I felt a a slight amount of like, oh, this guy might be going to his room to get a gun. I should kill him (laughs) so he can't shoot me. So they get out of there. Uh, Then Easy and Mouse go to Dupree's. And now Dupree was uh, the the boyfriend of Coretta. Right. (laughs) Kind of. And, uh, you know, Dupree is still very uh, drunk. They all kind of get drunk. Mouse gets real drunk. And Easy's like, "Uh, Mouse, you're drunk. And Mouse goes, if I was drunk, could I do this? And pulls a gun on him as fast as he's ever seen a man move, he says. Just, like, pulls a gun, puts it right up against uh, Easy's forehead. 
And he's like, hey, 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 <laughs> like, let's take it down a few notches. Let's not do this. And eventually, he, uh, Mouse just falls asleep. <laughs> so, yeah, Mouse is ex- is a dangerous man. <laughs> um, and that's why, like, Easy's like, I appreciate it, but I just really don't want this guy around. <laughs> he's liable to just get drunk and shoot me in the in the freaking head. Um, he leaves a note for Mouse telling him, uh, that he went to Primo's, uh, and then he goes to find Daphne, uh, uh, return, enter, oh, um, Daphne called him on the phone. Hmm. God, I kept such bad notes here. Oh, yeah, Daphne called- When did you read this? Uh, I read it a few days ago. That's the other problem, that this mm. book's so good, I read it uh, before I needed to. So Daphne... <laughs> before the last minute, the absolute last minute. <laughs> right. Usually, Tim, I'm talking about books I read an hour ago, and this time I'm not. So anyway, Daphne contacts Easy, and she's like, I'm in a hotel. Come to this hotel. Easy goes to that hotel, uh, and he goes... Uh, but Daphne like hangs up before she gives him the room number. And Easy's at the hotel, and he's like, uh, asks the manager, like, hey, I'm looking for this Daphne Monet. And she's just, like, looks through him and then, like, gets these other guys, like her brothers or something, who are, like, real mean-looking. They got bats or whatever. They're going to beat the shit out of them. And he's like, just tell me the room she's in. Enough with all the problems. Um, Enough with the problems already. He goes to her room. He finds her. She's seductively dressed. Um, in a blue dress? No, in a robe. Uh, mm. But let me blue tell robe? you. No, I think a white terry cloth robe. But I'd then, like a robe. Man, <laughs> I've been hinting to my wife that I've wanted a bathrobe for every major holiday for the last three years. <laughs> You know, Tim, your wife should ask me what to get you for uh, gifts because I would have known that. I would have been like, get Tim a nice robe. That's I all I know. I think she doesn't want me to have one. And I can't buy my- <laughs> myself a robe. That sounds like a very healthy marriage you have there. I think she just wants me to be unhappy. No, I think she she's like rightfully afraid. Like, will you ever oh, put on clothes yeah. or will you just be walking around in a robe all the time? Especially now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, easy and Daphne have to get out of there. They go to Primo's Primo is a, uh, Mexican guy in LA that he knows that has a hotel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, you know, I, I don't think this hotel is officially sanctioned. Um, it's like a big old house he bought to rent out as a hotel. And he remembers like, oh, Primo like tried to get me to come stay in his weird hotel, like <laughs> on the outskirts, in the outskirts of LA. But like, well, now I've got a good, uh, excuse to go. So he goes there and Primo thinks like, oh, he's here with this, uh, Daphne, uh, this hot white girl. Like, oh yeah, they're just looking for a little quiet place to, bone and uh and easy's like uh, you know that's fine whatever he wants to believe is fine but then guess what guess who bones daphne easy because like daphne's kind of go into a lot of detail they do because daphne's kind of being a little bit of a jerk 
And he's like, look, I've gotten the shit kicked out of me. And he's showing her like, look at all these bruises. These were from the cops when they worked me over trying to, you know, find out who killed Coretta. Uh, look at this like cut in my neck. That's from when uh, Frank tried to cut my throat out. And she's like, oh, you poor baby. And starts like undressing him. Mm-hmm. And uh uh, runs a bath for him and then like puts him in the bath and she's soaking him. Uh, and then he's like, uh, yeah, I got a, uh, a big uh, erection, of course, because he's laying in the bath. And she, uh, as she's uh, watching him, she strokes his, his big old wiener twice. 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 So not an accident. Right. And then... <laughs> This I do have extensive notes about because then she (laughs) takes her dress off. And this is Tim, the famed blue dress. She is wearing it. She takes it off and you're like, oh, out of a blue dress. Yeah. And you're like, hubba hubba. Now it's about to happen. And then this is the next line. She sat on the toilet and urinated so loudly that it reminded me more of a man. (laughs) (laughs) So for whatever reason... Everything's getting hot and steamy. He's sitting in the bathtub, and she's like, "All right, hold on, I gotta take a piss. I gotta take a wicked piss." Um, and then she says to him, "And uh, pardon my French here, Tim, but uh, but this is just what I'm reading from the lines behind a paywall. It's okay." She says to him, "If my pussy was like a man's thing, it'd be as big as your head, easy." What's that mean? I don't even know. I don't know if it means that she has uh, gigantic genitals or if it's just like. Is desirable? Right. Like like a a huge dong is a desirable thing for a man. And like I can't put into words how desirable my vagina is, but that's how it would be. I just know that it's like a big dick. (laughs) Right. A a clunky way to put it, but I guess he got the point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, you know, as she's pissing like a racehorse. (laughs) Um, and then uh he says i i stood out of the tub and let her hold me around the testicles i'm like what is going on here guys this isn't the way things go (laughs) you want somebody to just hold you around the testicles uh but then they bone all night and then they go out on the the porch out back and they bone in the bushes and then the next morning she's like does your thing hurt um and he's like yeah um <laughs> and then um uh they start talking you know finally he's like all right we've been boning all night but like i got a case to solve here we got to talk about things so uh he's like you know this guy richard your friend w- w- what's his deal and all this and she says richard sold matthew Terran, the guy rang for mayor uh, the little Mexican boy who is with him in his underwear. Uh, and it's like, oh, then he's an ex- he's trafficking children. Like, this is an yeah. extremely bad man. What um, is he, uh, the CEO of Wayfair.com? It, it, what is, I don't know what that's a reference to. You didn't know this Wayfair uh, QAnon shit? Oh, no. Oh, God, Tom, it is... <laughs> It is exhausting. Do you want to know real quick about it? Sure. Uh, these fucking people, man. These, these QAnon people. Um, sorry if you're sympathetic to that if you're listening. <laughs> uh, 
I wouldn't say. Like, I was gonna say like stop giving like up to the next Patreon level. <laughs> Give us more money, fucking rubes. Um, but uh, there's a way that you can like. There are certain things on on Wayfair that like if you put certain customization in there, like mm-hmm. a, a pillow can cost. You know, seventeen thousand oh, so dollars. It's like a it's, it's like a glitch in in yeah. the way that they calculate stuff. So they're like, "Oh, you're buying a child," and they ship the child with the pillow there, and that's that's what they're doing. You can buy children on Wayfair. Yeah, I got in the, the same person. I I forget if I mentioned it on the podcast or or on or just see you in private, but the same person I got into an argument with on Facebook about. Uh, uh, how many people are dying from coronavirus? He thinks it's like a hoax. And mm-hmm. th- this was like a month ago, and he lives in Texas. And I was like, hey, like, I'm in New York City. It's not a hoax. And, like, unfortunately, you're going to realize it's not a hoax. Well, now I think rather than r- realizing he's wrong, he's just shifted to being like a QAnon person. Cool. I mean, that's a lot easier than dealing with reality. Right, or just admitting you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you get to take Tom Hanks down a few pegs. Yeah, that was the thing that I, I was looking into, where, like, they think Tom... Well, they think all these uh, QAnon... Do we need to cut all of this out? <laughs> they think all these QAnon people are addicted to a drug that comes from the adrenal gl- gland of children... Based on like a throwaway line in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, (laughs) And now what they believe is that the reason the reason why celebrities have gotten coronavirus isn't because they travel a lot more than the average person and interact with perhaps hundreds more people than the average person does. Tons of people have gotten it, and you're hearing about it because they're in the fucking public eye. Right. You're hearing about, you know, two dozen celebrities. That yeah. Um, that what it actually is, is that uh, the the people, uh, you know, uh, in the government look fighting against this pedophile ring have actually uh, spiked this drug. This uh, It's called like Adreno something. Uh, they spiked it with the coronavirus to give the coronavirus to um, uh, pedophiles. So not only do you have to, not only do you not have to believe the coronavirus is real, you don't have to feel bad about anybody that dies from it because they were secretly a, a pedophile. Cool. <laughs> but anyway, devil in a blue dress. Um, uh, Richard McGee. Uh, he doesn't want to let uh, Daphne go, so they go together uh, with uh, uh, Taryn and Howard Green. Um, I forget what that whole part was about. But anyway, here's what the important thing is. Guess who killed uh, Howard and Coretta? You'll never guess who killed them. Uh, the guy whose name I forgot. Joppy. Joppy, the Joppy bartender? the bartender killed them. Why? Well, we'll find out. Wait, how does he find this out? How do we find this out? Uh, because Daphne tells Easy. Okay. Um, she offered $1,000 to make sure Albright... So we know that 
we know by now Joppy and Daphne. Joppy had the the sweets for Daphne, and Daphne was kind of playing with him. And she offered him a thousand dollars to make sure Albright didn't find him, uh, didn't find her, and to talk to Howard. Howard was um, Matthew Terran's driver that uh, that showed up dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joppy's way of like. You know, being like, oh, I'll find it. I'll find a way for him not to find you. I'll just hire Easy. Um, and then Daphne tells Easy that she loves him, but and he's like, I, boy, I love this woman, but like, I don't trust that. I don't. I'm mm. not. Anyway. Uh, then the next chapter, she tells him a story about zebras at a zoo, and she says the line uh, that, uh, uh, yeah, this, maybe I shouldn't make fun of this. Because it gets bad afterwards, but uh, she says that uh, she watched these uh, zebras making love and that the male zebra uh, spurted jism down the flank of the uh, female zebra. <laughs> I haven't heard the word jism. in this Haven't book? heard the word jism in a while, huh? Yeah. Since it's like uh, it was written on the... <laughs> Desk in high school, yeah. Yeah, on the desk in high school. Uh, But then she basically tells him about how her dad, you know, raped her when she was 14. Uh, And he's like, all right, this is, I, this is a lot, there's a lot going on. I don't want to be in the middle of this anymore. He's about to cut his losses. He's going home. But guess who's at his house? DeWitt Albright. Oh, brother. And right, a- guy. right after he sees him, knocked out. Not at his house. I'm sorry. At the uh, the hotel. They're going back to Primo's hotel that he's staying at. Mm-hmm. DeWitt's in the kitchen. He gets knocked out. He wakes up. Uh, he's getting water dumped on him by Primo. Primo's like, you were out for two or three hours. Uh, and you know, of course, Daphne's gone now. So he's like, "Oh no!" He goes to Jop- Joppy's apartment. Joppy's not there. Um, and then he goes to a, like a phone booth and calls information. And he's like, uh, "I need the number or the address for Dewitt Albright." And they're like, "Yeah, here you go." <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, now I know where Dewitt Albright lives." All right. Um, he lives in Malibu Hills. Hey, he's a great detective. <laughs> Yeah. He's really learned in the ropes. Well, he does say that he's expecting to have to call like multiple different exchanges, but the first one it works out. Nice. Um, I'll never understand how phones used to work, but go on. <laughs> well, so he's going to Malibu Hills. He's driving up there and he's thinking to himself, like, I'm going to die. And then he's thinking, before I died, I wanted to know what made jets fly and how long sharks, sharks lived. And I guess I'll never know. And that was profoundly sad because I just thought like, oh, like he just wants to know what like the kinds of facts a five-year-old will tell you whether you ask him or not. Right. That's what he <laughs> wanted to know before he died. If if Easy Rollins were alive today, he would know these things because like his nephew would have told him. Um, so he sneaks up on the house. He can like hear people talking. He sneaks in through the window because he can see... Joppy and DeWitt Albright and then Daphne's on the couch naked 
And, you know, they're like, uh, you know, antagonizing her or whatever. He sneaks in through the window. I don't know why he sneaks in through a window. This was a little confusing to me because he's like, I sneak it through the window. And then Albright turns around and sees me. <laughs> and is like, hey. And is about to shoot him. It's like, shoot him before you go in through the window. Stay outside the window and do your shooting. But guess what? Uh, Albright gets shot by Mouse. Ah, there he is. Mouse has shown up once again to... Back in town. Yeah. Um, Oh, so uh, uh, I forgot Joppy was naked. I guess it was presumed like Joppy was going to rape her or or whatever. Joppy was naked. He ran out of there. But uh, it turned out Mouse caught Joppy and uh, he's got him hogtied. And uh, uh, Mouse wants uh, this part. I I didn't keep good notes. I was using uh, like audio to uh, or like dictation. And I forget what uh, it just says. Mouse wants half tell Stephanie that Frank is dead. Mouse Mouse tells them, look, Frank is dead. That's when we find out. Guess who Frank was? Knife hand. No, we knew he was knife hand. <laughs> Frank was Daphne's brother. Okay. But now Frank is black and Daphne's white. So how is that? Well, we'll you find ever see out. the movie Toys? <laughs> um, Starring LL Cool J and Robin Williams. They play brothers in that. That's true. I have seen the movie Toys. Bless you. Um, Thank you. Mouse follows Joppy. We find out that Mouse had followed Joppy from Easy's house. So, like, Mouse was washing Easy's house. He saw Joppy go there, and then he saw Joppy leave, and he's like, oh, Joppy's looking for Mouse, uh, for Easy. I'm going to follow him. Um, Joppy has him hogtied. He brings him out into the living room. Mouse shoots Joppy in the groin. Now he's, oh. he's naked, tied to a chair. And lets him like scream for, I don't know, 10 seconds or so, and then shoots him in the head and kills him. Whew. Yeah. Um, we find out that. It's a shame because Joppy has a cool name. Right. And he seemed like a nice guy. He, yeah. It sounded like he ran a nice bar. It sounds like the bar smelled like shit because it was above a slaughterhouse, but that's not his fault. Yeah, exactly. Um,. So it turned out Daphne's real name was Ruby Hanks. And we find that out because Mouse is like, hey, Ruby, Ruby Hanks, a.k.a. Daphne Monet, was Ruby not- Hanks. Ruby Hanks. Yeah. Like Tom Hanks. Like Tom Hanks. Like Chet Hanks. Like Chet Hanks. Nice. Uh, Daphne was not white. She was black the whole time. <laughs> But she was extremely light-skinned and could pass for white. And that that's white what... White passing, like, they call that, Tom. Yeah, so that's what, like, a lot of this was, that, like, Daphne had, like, left Texas and was in California passing for white and, you know, was able to live her life in 1948 as, like, a white woman... And that was like a big secret that she kept from everybody. And we also find out that Mouse killed Frank. Um, oh, and Albright got shot. I forgot to mention that. Albright ran out, but he got shot. 
So they found Albright dead later. He, he, you know, he drove away and then just died of blood loss. Um, Easy goes to uh, Daphne's house and finds because uh, Daphne said she took the the little boy, the little Mexican, the little Mexican boy that uh, Matthew Heron had, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, "Go take care of him." Excuse me. Go take care of him for me. So Easy goes to the house, finds the boy, uh, takes him to Primo and tells Primo, like, maybe you can find uh, a mamacita to, uh, you know, I'll pay her to take care of him. And, uh, and, but it seems pretty apparent that, like, Primo falls in love with him and he's going to take care of him right away. Um, Oh, so Daphne Mouse, I forgot this, Daphne Mouse and Easy agree to split the $30,000 that Daphne stole from Carter. Remember Carter? He was the rich guy in the penthouse. Sure. Who was in love with her. Mm-hmm. Easy goes to Carter. Yeah, I remember Carter. And Easy tells him, like, what happened. And he's like, look, you got to back me up on this. You got to, you said you have all these city hall connections. You got to back me up on this whole story or else they're going to go after Daphne and you're in love with Daphne still. You don't want that to happen. So he's like, all right. Um, Howard, uh, uh, Matthew Taron, uh, Oh, Daphne killed Matthew Taron because of, uh, you know, he's just like a sick guy. Yeah. Um, Taron was mad because, uh, Oh, uh, Mr. Carter, had like messed with his uh, chances at winning the mayorship. It's it's real twisty. It's real complicated. I had to read some of these a few times over to kind of figure out why everybody did what they did. Yeah, imagine what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, uh, he wanted uh, Howard and Frank to kill Carter uh, and make it look like a robbery, but. Uh, when they found the money, they just like ran and they they just took it, and that's how Daphne like wound up with the money. Um, to wicked one at Frank because uh, Frank uh, this note makes no sense. I don't know. Uh, people wanted the money, they didn't get it. Uh, and so anyway, the police believe this story. So easy is like off the hook and he's like walking down the city hall steps and he's like, Oh, I'm free. Like the police aren't after me. I've got a ton. I've got $10,000 and it's 1948. So that's a lot of money. Yeah. This is great. But then, uh, Miller, one of those, uh, dirty cops, uh, he goes up and like threatens him, uh, and uh, he uh, easy tells him to try Junior's prints for the knife, like to get him off his back. Try because, Junior's cheesecake <laughs> because it's delicious. Miller Miller's like, I know you killed Robert McGee, and he's like, No, it, it was Junior. Check his fingerprint. Yeah. Um, but he's like, well, I had those like five seconds where like, I felt like I was a completely free man. And then, uh, chapter 31, the final chapter, he goes to, uh, uh, Odell. You remember Odell? Let's for the sake of 
expediency, say, yeah. Yeah. And he tells Odell that he's a private detective and they have dinner on the front porch because it's really hot still. Um, and he asks Odell, like, hey, uh, what's the deal about, like, uh, ratting out your friends? And he's thinking about Mouse because he's like, I don't know, should you rat out your friends if you know they did something horrible? And he's like, nah, man, all you got is your friends. You got to, you know, keep them close. He's like, all right. He's like, well, what if you rat out somebody else who's like, I don't know, not really a friend, just an acquaintance. And he's thinking of Junior, who you ratted out. And uh, he's like, well, that just sounds like bad luck. And then they laugh and laugh and the novel ends. (laughs) (laughs) So it ends on like a freeze frame of just them laughing about him ratting a guy out. Well, and that's Devil in a Blue Dress. I found the end to be a little less compelling. I'm curious to read some of Walter Mosley's later Easy Rollins books to see if like they kind of have. It's not that the ending wasn't tight. It did pull everything together, but it was just like so many different motives and things. It was complicated. It was complex to keep a keep a handle on Mm -hmm. so i'm curious if the later easy rollins books are like that or if they lean more into like just incredibly complicated reasons why people kill other people do you find uh that having it that convoluted is distracting or do you like kind of the the puzzle of it all i found it a little distracting only because by the end of the novel, there were like four or five different mysteries where <laughs> mm. it's like four or five people that you didn't know who killed them and why. And then they were all tied up together in basically one conversation, one or two conversations. And I feel like that made it a little bit harder. And I would have liked to have seen those. I like a detective story where like, they solve a mystery and it's like, oh, we know this person killed that person, but why? Why did they? And then I like right. mi- where this seemed like it just set up mystery after mystery and then they were all solved at once. And that made it, for me at least, a little bit harder to wrap my head around. Like, wait, so this, all right, this guy killed this guy because of this reason, because this person told them this and that person told them that because they murdered this person. Uh, I, I think it would have been easier to follow if it, if it had been uh, sprinkled throughout. Yeah. And I might be wrong here mm-hmm. because of, uh, to be honest, I didn't follow a lot of that, but I'll be mm-hmm. watching the movie and probably reading this book at some point. Yeah. Um, so I'll be surprised when I read the book and be like, oh, this is what happened. <laughs> um, hey, anything's possible. But uh, but uh, it also seems like the the mysteries are solved by just somebody telling him who who, who did what. Yeah, Where it's yeah. it's not like, oh, and this is the clue that led me to this. It was like he did a little bit of that to get to people. Right. But then the people were like, so this guy killed this guy for this reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like in in detective mysteries when the detective has found proof and then like confront somebody with it. 
You're a Perry Mason man. I I am through and through. But uh yeah, that's what I kinda like. And this you know, Easy figured out that Junior killed Robert McGee, but other than that, like he didn't really figure too much out. <laughs> it was just he went to the right people, which, you know, uh, that does the job too. But, uh, but yeah, not as the, the parts were, and that's what I thought was funny because, like, when he was trying to find Frank and he has the line about, like, this was when I really felt like a detective. That was also when I was like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> like, he's being a detective. He's doing all the detective, like, questioning, but not laying out what he's really looking for. And then by the end of the book, it it didn't, it felt more like he was an observer yeah. than, than an active participant in solving the mystery. Like, things were happening to him rather than him taking any actions. And especially, I mean, honestly, the fact that Mouse showed up twice right before Easy was about to get killed was a little like, all right. Well, are you going to continue uh, reading the Easy Rollins mysteries? Yeah, I mean, for for a first novel, it was great. And like, I loved the setting uh, a lot and I liked Easy. Uh, I am prob. I'm probably not going to necessarily read like the. I don't. I don't even know if this is like the kind of series where you have to read them in order. I doubt it. Um, I'm probably going to like look at reviews and see uh, and, and like descriptions and see uh, what a Easy Rollins book that uh, maybe is a little more detectivey throughout. Again, mm-hmm. this is also like an origin story, so it's I, I also give it some uh leeway there, but but uh yeah, I'm definitely gonna read uh a, a, at least one more of these books. Nice. And I'm excited to do so. I I'd also I'm uh I'm excited to read some of Walter Mosley's uh sci fi too, because I, I do really like his uh writing style. It's very uh uh, concise but descriptive, I would say. You like when people's uh, testicles get grabbed too, right? Held. Yeah, and I like hearing in detail how women piss. Um, I'll be watching the movie next week. Hey, watch along. It's 1995's Devil in a Blue Dress, directed by Carl Franklin, starring Denzel Washington. Yeah, uh, I think I think I'm gonna watch it too. No, I may. Tom, well, freaking let let me do something for once. All right, well I'm gonna watch Virtuosity then. All right, if you're gonna watch Devil in a Blue Dress, I won't. <laughs> no, all right, fine, you watch it. <laughs> all right, see you next week.